Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 22 of the 24 Stories podcast. This week, we have, I'd say, our youngest entrepreneur that has been on uh, the podcast so far, and we're going to look at the, the business of At Leisure. I'm delighted to be joined by Emma Coffey from Final Bend. Hello. Thanks. I'm so happy to be on. And uh, I think you mentioned my age there. It seems to be uh, kind of something everyone else is um, more excited about because each year I feel like I'm getting older and older. Uh, I started out with my whole story being that I was a 19-year-old entrepreneur and now we're we're 21, so... Yeah, but at 21, I don't think I was being... I, I didn't even know probably what the word entrepreneur meant, so like... <laughs> I'm fascinated by the backstory. So let's go back to that. Yeah. You were still in school when you came up with an idea of a business. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. So in 2018, I was in fifth year of secondary school in St. Angeles, actually here in Cork. And up until that point in my life, I was an athlete through and through. I had been involved in athletics from the get go. And As in sprinting or? So I was actually a pole vaulter. I was on the international team in 2018. So things were looking up, I could say. And yeah, it was it was going amazing. I think my future was kind of laid out in in my own kind of eyes that I would go into UCC, get a scholarship. At that point, I was actually I was on the road to a scholarship. I was in yeah. with uh, the Maradikes uh, high performance yes. kind of program down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, that was kind of my trajectory anyway into college and all of that uh, through sports, definitely. But in 2018, that same year, I unfortunately got a back injury and my competing stopped. Uh, and if you've been involved in something, anything really, I think, uh, to a point where you're sole focus is that one thing and mine definitely was it was athletics and I saw my future in you know getting into college it was through athletics and all of that so when that was taken away from me I realized that I also lost that touch in with my friends all my life was pretty much made up with athletics at that point so I turned to well how am I going to stay stay involved and that was uh, I'll start a business because um you know my entrepreneurial side had always noticed I think competing that there was no uh, niche athletics brand that was affordably priced, yeah. colourful, yeah. Uh, size inclusive and um, kind of fit fit the message of what uh, we did in athletics. So initially I started out with uh, slogan t-shirts, I think, as many, many apparel companies do. And my slogans were things like, first I nap, then I lap. Yeah. Uh, I had another great one. It was a uh, it was a pole vaulter's pulse design and as a pole vaulter, you know, it was kind of like the pole vaulter emblem was over the heart and that was incorporated in with like, you know, those heartbeat lines. Yeah, oh, geez, yeah. that one flew off the shelves. And uh, by that, I mean, I made six sales, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Still, you had to sell it. Was it, was it your, like, your, I suppose, teammates and stuff on the, on the athletics teams? That oh, were yeah. 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 So, like, when I started a business, it was like hello, I have this company, like me sending that message to my friends. Uh, So very, very small beginnings. And yeah, it was definitely um, a side project. It was a passion project, I think. And purely just that means to stay connected to the sport that I loved and had felt like I was going to lose. So that was kind of why it started. The name Final Bend then came from obviously the athletics side of things. You know, the last turn in the athletics track. Yeah. I felt like I was on my final bend. You know, I was coming up to something great in my athletics career, but then that got taken away from me. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't want it to be my final bend. And that's where I kind of related to. I felt like, look, this isn't my final bend. I'm going on to better things. Uh, So yeah, that's where the name came from. But obviously very uh, niche down to athletics. And I kind of at the time reached out to some connections I had, Mm. networking, and I ended up having a pop-up shop then in the Munster Athletics competitions. So if you can imagine now selling track gear specific to athletics in this like bubble, it was, you know, flying off the shelves sort of thing, which just like kind of really grew the brand on. Uh, and that was kind of something that I did then through 2018, 2019. Up until 2020, the brand was actually quite small. It was quite niche still to athletics until May of 2020. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of a, a run through of the the beginnings there. <laughs> so did you have to give up the sport completely? Yeah, so I suppose at that time it was, you know, something small I suppose that yeah. had changed that really just 
was a knock on effect. So, yeah, yeah. you know, the more I got injured, the more I was kind of mm. losing hope and yeah. I was a, a winner. I suppose. Yeah. And when, when you stop winning, you take hard. that hard. And yeah. I took it hard anyway. And if I wasn't winning at the time, I was like, look, what's the point? Because, yeah. you know, at the time, pole vault was actually, it was quite a kind of small community of pole mm. vaulters. And um, it went from, you know, feeling like I could really achieve something to like fighting to, you know, even go to training sessions. Yeah. And I think um, I just kind of lost uh, my like inspiration I suppose, a small bit because I felt like the more I trained, the closer I actually got to injury rather than to progression. Okay. Uh, so when that kind of started, I realised like it's not actually helping me to be in this zone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a p- type of person who needs to be doing things. Like yeah. I want to do a hundred things at one time. And, you know, if if one thing is kind of taking you down, I just feel like a bit of distance was what I needed yeah. at that point. So I just turned that in enthusiasm because I never lost the enthusiasm for the sport. Like I really, mm. really love athletics. And, you know, a lot of my family was all involved in it and most of my friends. So, you know, it was just kind of moving it away from I myself being um, the focus of, you know, the competing and being in the competitions to just being at the competitions really yeah. just satisfied that kind of uh, thing that I was looking for extra. And, you know, then creating the brand and uh, having that community in athletics really filled that. It probably provided a fantastic distraction as well, though, to kind of grow a brand to kind of take you away from thinking about that competitive sport angle. Instead, you were starting to compete with maybe other smaller clothing companies instead. Yeah, so I mean, like back in 2018, 2019, the company was very small, but yeah. there was no no other kind of competition yeah. at that like extremely niched down section. So I felt like I actually had a hold on that market, you know, the Irish athletics wear brand. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like, mm, wh- what other ones are right there? And, you know, when you niche it down again to track and field, especially like to pole vault, there was nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose like, the energy that I have been putting into athletics and you're talking training before school, like after school, in your spare time, then competing on the weekends. I just moved that over to focus on the brand, like focus on something else. And obviously, you know, I actually had the leaving cert going on the next yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was just a nice distraction the whole way along. Uh, and obviously then come May of 2020, you know, you're looking, well, uh, <laughs> we need that distraction. And I had had a part-time job outside of this whole and what were you um, doing I was actually a waitress in the Metropole Hotel yeah. which I loved yeah. uh, so it just is a testament really to the fact that this was a passion project Final Bend was never uh, a job opportunity for mm. me it was something that I did you know just to do and because I loved it it wasn't uh, something that I paid myself for actually until 2020 September uh, so you can see if the company was founded back in yeah, 2018 yeah. it was a, a long journey up to that point Like in school for example did you study business or art or anything like that with design like what what was the oh yeah so thinking back on all of my entrepreneurial endeavors I would say my first business was a fan making business when I was about four <laughs> I live in the depths of nowhere like Cork Outback basically okay, yeah. and uh, I had seen on my cartoons that I was watching that there were such things as like lemonade stands we yeah. didn't have lemons and I knew how to make fans yeah. so I went to the bottom of my garden and set up my little fan making business stall yeah. no one passed we don't have neighbours <laughs> yeah. so I was out there kind of grinding through that summer not a customer in sight you know yeah. but like I just look back and I just think that's so funny uh, there's like a picture of me like holding up my fans when I'm yeah. like four or five uh, and then into primary school, we actually had these winter fairs. Mm. And uh, once I found out that I could have a stall at the winter fair, you know I was there. Uh, I think I did nail art one year, which racked up immense profits. Yeah. Not going to me, obviously going to the winter fair was yeah. a charity thing. I think I was charging a euro for like the nail art. Uh, and then, you know, employees were coming on board and we were ch- we were giving them like five cents. We were like <laughs> Primary eight. school. Yeah, yeah, primary school. And everyone wanted to be in the nail art industry. Yeah. And then the year after that, there was immense competition. You know, there was, um, everyone was starting nail art businesses. So I was like, no, I'm going to be different. Yeah. Uh, looked at pancake making, you know. So I think I always just wanted to be doing that sort of thing. And obviously then uh, when I was, you know, 17, that's when I yeah. started Final Bend. So <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, those are those are my endeavours. And is business far. in your family? Like, are you inspired by other people around you? Like, Well, I suppose I'm definitely inspired by, you know, both parents. Yeah. Uh, they're not actually in the business field, but, yeah. you know, like they're hard workers. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's definitely something that yeah. you, you pass down. So they always were up working 
yeah. I wanted to be doing the same thing. So, you know, um, they've been very supportive. Yeah. Uh, my dad's a solicitor and my mom's a teacher. So, yeah. um, you know, they wouldn't have exactly uh, the same you know, problems that I have, but definitely yeah. they're always there to, to help out. And, you know, that goes a long way. So when you set up the business then uh, and you were still in fifth year, what did your teachers think or did they even know that this was going on? <laughs> well, I actually had the pleasure of going back into St. Angela's only last week because I feel like I'm on a PR tour at the moment. It's coming up to uh, International Women's Day. So okay, yeah, yeah, the schools yeah. are mad for it. Um, But I went back in and like, you know, I don't think they realise the effect they have on their students yeah. until a student comes back in and says, you know, look, Miss Ronan in name drop there. Yeah. Um, you know, I came to you with my business questions and you helped me out. And then I started a business because I felt like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And I think knowing what you're doing goes a long way. Because uh, when I go back into these schools and I'm telling my story about, you know, I was sitting in your seat type thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time, um, the reason that those students would never think to start a business is because they don't think they know how to. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's that um, barrier to entry, which is always in information. They feel like they don't have the information yeah. required to start up. So that's what I like to kind of do on TikTok and, you know, give yeah. little morsels of information and people usually will stick onto those and kind of message me afterwards if they're really interested. But, um, you know, she provided me with that information and yeah. I had to get up and go then to actually follow up on it always. And um, so, yeah, definitely they knew what was going on, mm. but... Um, you know, I see them ordering now and I hope oh, that they're kind of yeah. looking back and going, oh, you know, I was there when it started. And like the original stock that you got in, like, how did you go about getting it? Like, you, where did you look for it? Did you go to a, a wholesale or somewhere and get a load of T-shirts in and try and design or how did it work? So initially, obviously now I'm 17, I wanted to start a business. So yeah. I was going to start a business. Yeah. I didn't have any money. That was where I started. So I looked to, okay, how do you start a business with no money? Well, yeah. I had the designs that I wanted, um, which were I made on a free, you know, Canva, I think was how yeah. I made them. And then I set up the business during Shopify's 14 day free trial. So no expense there yet. Yeah. Uh, and then I turned to link my Shopify website up to a print on demand kind of third party. Okay, so you yeah. could link that. You could create all your products. Yeah. And it wasn't until the customer actually purchased and checked out, used their credit card information, mm -hmm. that it automatically sent a notification to print on demand company yeah. to then send out the customer's order. So I was essentially a middleman yeah. uh, for that first launch. And I strategically launched it on the day of the National Seniors in 2018. Um, so there was a bit of buzz around it, you know, oh yeah. my God, that mysterious brand. Uh, so yeah, that, that was where the first sales came from. And then once I reaped the profits of those first sales, then I went and invested it back yeah. into the company and bought my first stock, which was from a local company called Academy Crests. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I had now got my logo and I said, okay, I'm going to purchase a couple of headbands, maybe yeah. a couple of hats. Yeah. Uh, and I took on ambassadors, okay? So coming from this athletics background, I had reached out to my, my pals in the athletics world, which yeah. were now astounding athletes. Amazing. Like they're all over the world. But back then, you know, we were all young athletes. We wanted to get involved with anything. So... I reached out to them and we had Paralympians, now Olympians, we had, um, you know, youth Olympians, anything. Everyone was involved. We had those uh, people as yeah. ambassadors. So I sent them out those products, those headbands and yeah. those hats. And then they kind of promoted it because back in, you know, 2018, there was not a lot of kind of PR people. And especially in the athletics world, you know, no one was at that level that they were receiving PR boxes or sponsorships. Yeah. So they were mad about this. Uh, and it was amazing. So they were posting it everywhere. And then in turn, we got more sales then on the uh, the sweatshirts and the, the T-shirts over on the print on demand shop. So very slowly, uh, the company grew. And I think it's hilarious looking back because, you know, in no other uh, circumstance would I have been able to grow a company at such a slow rate than if, uh, if I had this kind of tiny risk a bubble, which yeah, I did because yeah. I was only 17. Uh, so with, yeah, no financial input at the start. But yeah, that's that's how the finances came so to So reinvesting me. was the key there. Oh, yeah. and train, you, you said there were a go that you didn't take any money out of the business until you know, over two years later. Mm -hmm. Any profits straight back in, make it bigger, bigger, bigger each time. Yeah, because like I had, I always had the summer jobs going. You know, I was working in um, Mayfield summer camps yeah. and uh, I use a always make that money last and yeah. uh, same with babysitting. Um, so it was never kind of a financial thing. It was always, uh, you yeah. know, I wanted to do it so I did it a thing. Yeah. <laughs>
So you said it all changed in May 2020. Like, so we just finished sixth year at that point, or we are already in UCC? So I was already in UCC, and 2020 May was um, just kind of a turning point, I think, because essentially I was unemployed and I was also now doing college online. And I think that combination of those two things like meant you know we had this fantastic kind of opportunity to work on a final bend with kind of no kind of barriers basically no factors that were were pushing against me so uh, college I could do you know online so I was at home I didn't have to go to to work essentially so I had this spare time that I just one day decided look I've had final bend for so long as this side project what if I focused on it with all of my time uh, and just see what happens so that's what I did and initially the company was so small that there was not enough things to do to fill a nine to five work day uh, which I noticed and I was like oh god okay uh, I'm gonna have to get innovative here I'm gonna start making work for myself so I essentially started making content so uh, that was my way of like going to work you know I would make content I initially actually made YouTube videos and then I turned uh, my attention to TikTok after my sister, my younger sister said, look, you should start making those TikTok videos. Was that around the same time? We're all stuck in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, May 2020, which is when I posted my first TikTok. Seven or eight TikToks in, I had my first viral TikTok. I got over half a million views uh, and... I think I made 80 sales that night and just from this one TikTok and that completely changed my outlook on marketing and content creation and on how valuable it was to uh, be telling your story to this kind of market so that changed everything for me because up until that point it was May I'd say I'd made 80 sales online in total up until that point. Up until that point, was it all kind of at the a- athletics meetings and stuff like that you were making most of your money? Yeah, well, making most of my money, I wasn't making that much money. Yeah. Like, you okay, know, again, small sales. Small I mean. sales, yeah. yeah. And um, the company was more headed towards a, a custom. Personalization yeah. and stuff, yeah. So I had uh, contracts with small clubs who were unable to meet the MOQs that larger companies yeah. uh, had. And I was providing then their uh, singlets for athletics competitions and all of that. So that that was where I saw the company going. I said, okay, I'll look, I'll really focus yeah. on those orders. But obviously in 2020 with lockdown, no one was competing. Yeah. So there was no need for club gear anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was why I kind of had to look at online selling and selling customer, you know, brand to customer rather than uh, business to business. So and did you stop the personalization at that point and kind of go for the final brand brand instead? Yeah. So at that point, I stopped it straight away. It yeah. just didn't really exist anymore. Yeah. I've kind of looked at bringing it back because it's obviously another nice um, income driver. Yeah. So definitely it'll be something that I focus on in the future, I would say, yeah. So those 80 sales, first of all, what kind of clothing were they buying? Was it all the same type of stuff they were buying from that night? Anything. I think it was people wanted to check out more than they actually enjoyed the gear, I would say, because yeah. they really bought into the story. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, so initially sold out straight away. Like I didn't have stock in inventory really. I had a couple of sizes. Sure. I was operating on a basis of, well, if I order, um, you know, four size smalls and one size extra small and one person buys the extra small, I can say that it sold out really fast. <laughs> and yeah. even though, yeah, it might have taken a week. But uh, so those the really small quantities. But because people had checked out and I was now fulfilling their orders, yeah. I was just amazed by this. I was like, oh my God, you know, I can really start to push this out. So I, yeah. I ordered more and then I made more TikToks and then I got more sales and it became this cycle. But what I realized is I was always one step behind because I was reacting. Yeah. Uh, each time it was, you know, either reacting to a, a TikTok that went viral or yeah. reacting to a trend. I was never out driving the company forward. And honestly, like, you know, it's 2022 right now. It took me until the end of 2021 to realise that I had spent so much time working in the company that no one was working on the company ever. You know, I was in the bubble of sitting in the backseat essentially of my own company. No one was driving the car um, because, you know, it was going somewhere and it was going somewhere fast. 
But uh, I didn't know that destination because I was working on the back end so like, you know, so heavily. Like I was packing all day. I was fulfilling those orders constantly, but I was never, you know, out planning what's next, where are we going? How are we going to get there and all that? So once I started asking myself those questions and obviously, you know, things kind of fall into place and you realise, well, you need to take on staff first of all. And uh, yeah, so like at this point now I'm I feel more in control, but definitely at that point I was in this reactive uh, yeah. circle. Like a lot of the people listening here, there's a lot of business owners listening to this and um, when they hear TikTok, they think just people are going around doing dancing and, you know, like doing silly stuff. But you're saying here that it, it drove sales. So what was actually in the video that made it? So um, my kind of key for making anything online, any content is there's three or four categories. Yeah. It has to be either informative uh, educational or add value through it being funny, entertaining. Yeah. So inspiring then is the fourth is the category. One. So um, any TikTok I make, I try to have it fall into one of those categories. Uh, so I've managed to get videos viral across those categories now, but yeah. that, that initial one was in entertainment. So it was funny. It reacted to a trend that was going on yeah. uh, at the time on TikTok and it showed the product but it wasn't an ad. So I see some people will go straight out and make an ad and they'll put on TikTok or they'll ask you to buy something. You know, I never ask customers to buy. It's kind of, you tell a story and then you provide value Mm -hmm. through the storytelling, be that in an inspiring way or you're you're being entertaining or you're uh, giving information. And that way people will kind of follow along. And also, I think the more TikToks you make, the closer you get to your niche audience. Initially, for people who are just starting out on TikTok, they'll say, oh my God, like there's nothing for me on this app. But yeah. that's because it takes you interacting with content that you like, yeah. uh, content that's in your own niche. And yeah. once you interact with that, TikTok's algorithm will start to show you that content more. Yeah. And if you start posting into that uh, niche, you'll find that people will do the same. They'll start to interact with you. And uh They'll they'll follow because they they enjoy your content and you'll see less of the dances. I see zero dances on my for you page ever. So what do you see? Uh, small businesses always, okay. yeah. yeah. And you know I'm a big believer in good karma, so yeah. I, I'll always support them. But like TikTok, you know, you have to feed it what you want to get back, and that's always you know I give small small business uh, story time stuff like that, and then I see that uh, as a result. But definitely, I think when you're starting out, don't get uh, put off by those dancing TikToks because that's yeah. not TikTok. Uh, you just have to kind of find your niche and find your place on the app. And did you start seeing then a, a specific audience kind of develop? Like, were they all a certain age, or were they all into sport? Like, what kind of audience was starting to follow you then? Yeah, so that's actually really exciting now because um, I'm currently running TikTok ads. So learning about that demographic, I'm in such a good position because I know my demographic because I post organically. Well, I can look in the back end, but it's 85% female, my audience on TikTok. And that age category is from 17 to 35 is the demographic. And then hilariously, like when I'm posting uh, the TikTok ads and putting down the criteria, I know exactly who's watching them anyway. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it get, kind of gives you an opportunity then to either expand your demographic by showing those ads now to new people because I'll know then that information. Well, everyone who organically follows me is kind of between that age bracket of being under 35. So maybe I should look at the over kind of 40s market. And, you know, it's really good data then to have because I've um, had experience in posting the videos myself. So... And do you keep it just to female clothing or do you have male clothing as well? So I do have male clothing. Mm -hmm. However, very recently we just decided that we would actually remove the men's section. So that was a decision that kind of came about from uh, just a number of things. Firstly, I think when I launched the men's section, I'd like to have more products and I'd like to have like more of kind of drive behind it because at the moment you know, you walk into our our office and it's all female, you know, we just aren't getting that, um, you know, the product development spot on yet. So definitely, I think um, we'll we'll come around to it and it it will be something probably that will happen either 2022, 2023. But definitely it needs needs work and it needs time. And at the moment, the kind of goal that I've put in place for this year is to have everything move to eco. So moving everything to eco and then also trying to develop a men's range that was, you know, up to scratch yeah. and on par yeah. with the female range was just kind of a bit too much to to bite off. Um, so the the eco goal would be the main goal now for, for this year and going forward. So that's something that I'm focusing on at the moment. 
when the sales started to grow in 2020, did you have to change suppliers then? Did you have to move away from the local kind of thing where you were saying that you were getting it from Academy Crest and stuff? Did you, did you find a bigger supplier overseas? Yep. So uh, I was in a great position that I actually had a business mentor at the time who was in purchasing for Primac originally and then moved yeah. to sustainability and also buying in a Boohoo Group PLC. So yeah. I would say uh, his background and, you know, what he did really yeah. just helped then in me finding out about buying and about materials and all of that. So, you know, I, I kind of soaked up all that knowledge and then went forward and found a really great manufacturer. Uh, and he put me in contact with okay. a really great manufacturer, which was an in, invaluable kind of um, yeah. kind of thing. So, And who introduced you to him or, or, or how did that happen? Oh, I can't say, you know, family connections. Okay, so, okay. yeah, it was actually my dad. So Yeah, yeah. So, like, just like a contact, have a chat. Yeah. And the next thing, he took you on board, kind of, and started mentoring you. Yeah, and I feel like as a girl in, in business, yeah. I've had so much help from actually men in business because I think it's a problem that you start to see uh, as you get bigger into, you yeah. know, your career and higher up the ladder, that there aren't as many kind of females in that position. So I yeah. think in my own experience, I've had so much help from people in industry yeah. trying to promote uh, small businesses and especially female small businesses. I think it's it's really great to see. Yeah. But in my own experience, that has always been the way people are more than happy to... They're delighted to see somebody yeah, growing. Exactly. And to push you on yeah. uh, and with their own experience, just help you out there too. So definitely something that I'm trying to, you know, bring into my own kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, what I'm doing. So with the going around to schools, something that I do as almost this yeah. side job. Um, so and are you seeing young girls approach you know, like even sending you messages saying, I have an idea for a business? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. It's always something that uh, I've always had because I think... Um, there was no face in Ireland yeah. at the time for uh, for kind of a, someone who's talking about their small yeah. business journey. Yeah. And when I started to fill that gap, uh, I realised that I had to, you know, actually step into those shoes and yeah. um, be the person that I w- probably wouldn't have wanted to come across mm. uh, when I started out. So in any kind of chance I get to help out those very small businesses uh, in just information because uh, that's the big thing I think they don't want to to hear about you know what you're doing and how great you are they actually want the information that that helped you get there so uh, so I'm more than happy to to give that or like any challenges I had and how I overcame them because that's so valuable um, to people starting off and you know I don't think you have to be gatekeeping that information I yeah, think it should yeah. be um, more widely available and you're not afraid that they'll steal your your crown in terms of like I'm sure some of them will have ideas for clothing and stuff like that will they? Oh yeah I know and absolutely and actually I think uh, a testament to my belief in promoting other female yeah. in uh, business is a content and coffee event that I held on the Dean uh, just two weeks ago now yeah. so that was an event that uh, was bringing together content creators in Cork and kind of further afield too and small businesses that were Cork based yeah. businesses female run so uh, it was like this networking opportunities so everyone could um you know meet each other yeah push each other on i saw a couple of pictures yeah seemed like a good crow there yeah it was great yeah and definitely something that i'm i actually have another one planned for uh dublin so we'll do the dean in dublin it's great but definitely something that's gonna um help out uh i think other small businesses because you know once you start to to help out each other you know it really um it really kind of stands to you i think you know you make those strong connections like the sales that you've gotten since 2020 then I presume they're not just in Cork anymore they're kind of coming from across the country or or, or, is there any overseas even? Yeah so um, all the sales are pretty much uh, Irish sales I think at the moment Dublin is probably the biggest driver of sales Uh, probably Dublin and Cork would be on par now but uh, interestingly Donegal is actually the next one so Mm. you know when you're in the apparel industry you notice that when people like something, they'll tell their friends and, you yeah. know, all of that, obviously, that word of mouth. But I've noticed in this uh, one community in, in Donegal, uh, in Dungalow, I believe, there is one park. And I'd say every every family in that park has has ordered off a of final bend and I am constantly sending them up there. And it's great. Like, I feel like I know yeah. them at this stage. I feel like I should move in. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see. But... Going forward, like the future of Final Bend will definitely be international because uh, obviously, you know, there's been such success in selling to the Irish consumer and definitely mm. that's something that I'd like to see pushed out to a wider, wider field. And hopefully, you know, having been in talks with uh, couriers, 
So we'll add Europe for Q2 and hopefully then the US and Canada for maybe Q3, Q4 with a strong marketing campaign in, in both. So We'll probably have to have a content and coffee event up in uh, in Donegal maybe at some stage. I know, I look, yeah. <laughs> I'd say in that park, it would go yeah. great. Or, uh, I know Daniel O'Donnell used to be very popular with the cup of tea up there, so maybe oh, you can yeah. bring coffee to the area instead, it might look. be something different. <laughs> yeah, final event content <laughs> and coffee, I'll invite him along. Yeah, he might come too, he might be, he might be interested in it. <laughs> so like you were talking about logistics and couriers, so like when you started growing, so when TikTok took off and the sales started coming in, like... How did you manage all the stock? How did that work? Initially, I, you know, filled my bedroom. I had some shelves in my bedroom that I said, yeah. okay, this is for final bend. Then it kind of got a bit out of hand up there. So I moved it uh, down into the kitchen. My mom wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> so I said, look, uh, <laughs> I kind of bought some white shelving and we've like a lot of white walls in our kitchen. Yeah. So I hoped she wouldn't really notice. Uh, she did definitely notice that there were new shelves being erected in her kitchen, which she wasn't too happy about. Oh, so I said, mom, look, uh, I'm going to take it upon myself to redo our pantry. This is going to be my office. Like yeah. I got in um, this big counter for it and I painted everything and I was in there for I'd say like a month and realised it wasn't going to work you know yeah. you there was you couldn't walk in there was too many boxes everywhere yeah so at that point then it was uh, 2021 um, kind of coming up to like January and I uh, was on a talk I think um someone in UCC and I was like oh yeah one of my big issues actually is uh, the fact that I have nowhere to put anything yeah. uh, and he was like oh let me put you in contact with JJ from Plato Business yeah. and uh, that's up in Ballyvalan Business Park in the yeah. Northside Fair Business Campus. Yeah. So I moved into a really tiny, it was like a 250 square foot um, space. It was an office in yeah. there and that did me grand uh, until the boxes got too big again and, and I moved again upstairs actually which was pretty hard because um, if you can imagine bringing those boxes mm-hmm. upstairs yeah. yeah I had some help from my friends I think uh, and I had uh, yeah, so I had my employees <laughs> who uh, were basically my friends who would come in and help me and would have been paid yeah it, well like <laughs> we lived together at that point yeah, so it was yeah. like oh you'd never come in and like help yeah. me out yeah 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 we'll definitely I'll get you dinner after this you know yeah. so <laughs> um, always a labour of love I think yeah. uh, and they would help me like roll the boxes upstairs because they were actually too heavy for us to lift oftentimes. So we'd be rolling them up. And then there was always really nice UPS drivers who would take pity on us rolling these boxes up the stairs. And be like, oh, geez, I'll help you out there. Uh, but yeah, thankfully now I'm after moving into a warehouse, I think. So, <laughs> so, so you really from the bedroom to the kitchen yeah. to an office to a bigger office. To know a warehouse. A warehouse, yeah, that has a sliding door, which has Whoa. really helped yeah. us out because, you know, they'd arrive in pallets often yeah. and I'd be like, I'm really sorry about this, but if, if you happen to have like a knife there, I'm going to have to take this pallet apart to roll the boxes upstairs to my yeah. office upstairs that was like up kind of a flight of really steep stairs and then it was down a hallway and it was into a door. So it didn't really work out up there. But uh, now definitely it's just great because they can roll them in and we've got the shelving and all that. And yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not just you anymore, so. No, so uh, in 2022, I actually took on two new hires, which uh, changed the game because now it's not just me in the office. Yeah. Uh, so Cloda is working. Um, she's the head of marketing and uh, e-com. And then there's Liv, who runs the social media. Uh, so she's like the girl on Instagram, which is great because obviously with an e-com brand, you know, you need that presence on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and I realised I was neglecting it. So I, it's so handy now to you have... too busy with TikTok, was it? Well, too busy in general. Like, yeah. as I mentioned, I was working in the company, like 100% yeah. of my time was going there. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, so um, now it's, it's, it's such a kind of... Uh, amazing thing to be able to feel like I have the time to plan ahead and uh, you know just having that event is kind of you know a testament to that so the event happened we also redid the entire website and these are all things that happened just from um, just from the early kind of them starting and us having all these ideas so uh, going forward it's going to be pretty good I think. (laughs) So like it was 80 in 2020 like what kind of orders are you getting now? Um, so 2020, the revenue was amazing. It was, you know, more than I'd ever thought yeah. of making. And then at the very uh, first two months of 2021, uh, Final Bend did over everything we'd made in uh, 
in 2020. So in the first two months of last year. So the the growth trajectory was insane. Interestingly, I was still in that tiny office when that was happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, now the the order is like our goals are to you know make a million in revenue uh, for this year. Definitely, it's my goal for last year too. But you know, uh, I think uh, you just show you a bit. I just yeah, just off. And unfortunately, uh, looking back, you know, it's kind of hindsight is twenty twenty. And when you're mm. looking back, you can see exactly the gaping obviousness of yeah. where it went wrong. And I think me moving out into my friends throughout the summer and kind of being like. Like, uh, you know, going to work, but also being focused on my social life, you know, definitely wasn't progressing the brand forward. And I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously uh, the not having employees really just like tied me into to that. So yeah. um, now, you know, making those changes and there's a team who everyone's invested in Final Bend's growth now. So <laughs> And what's it like? Because obviously, you know, most people your age, like, they're out having great crack, like they're having fun, they're traveling around the world, they're going away for the summer and stuff like that. And instead you're thinking about having a revenue goal of a million. Like, do you have to sacrifice some of the, the, the kind of fun stuff? Oh yeah, well, so I suppose because I'm doing this all now, I need something to show for it. Like, yeah. you know, I think I just sacrificed not doing placement uh, I'm yeah. in my third year of commerce. I should be going off doing placement. Yeah. Uh, I also should have gone on my kind of Erasmus year and all of that, yeah. which uh, my friends went on. Yeah. So I have sacrificed those things. But, you know, my goal is definitely to have something to show for it. So I don't want to finish college and be behind where my peers are in yeah. terms of, you know, like opportunity and all of that. So I think I got a really good advice recently from from someone in business who said that, uh, you know, there's a choice that you can make and it can be to grow the business and, you know, have nothing to kind of show for it. Yeah. But you can have, you know, so much sales and all this, but without you in the business, yeah. the business is not valuable to anyone yeah. else. So once I realized kind of what he was saying there, it was that, you know, when I'm growing the company, I need to grow the foundations and have it be a company that I can step away from at any time and I still maintain that value. Yeah. So uh, I think things like having, um, you know, records of boards meetings, things that just like documenting those those things, uh, having like five-year goals, five-year plans and how you're going to get there and also having employees who are, you know, skilled in their own areas and all of that. So uh, it's not that I see myself stepping away, but it's, yeah. it's about you know, creating a company of value now that when I get to a point that, you know, may, a potential investor may come on board, yeah. that it's valuable to them to invest. And it's not just Emma and her company, yeah. it's Final Bend as a company is a valuable company. So um, my goal, I suppose, is to create that value now um, and kind of focus my time and energy into the company. But obviously, you know, making sure that that time is accounted for and that there's value at the end of it uh, for potentially me to step away from it um, if the right opportunity comes around. And I think uh, it's the smart move to put in that groundwork now. So you might have, as they say, you'll have your fun down the tracks. Is, is, exactly, is, is yeah. kind of where, where you're seeing it. And I suppose I find like Final Bend like isn't, it doesn't feel like work, you know, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, like yeah. having the events is great fun. Yeah. And also... um. You know, just like meeting people and all of that, those opportunities I think are amazing. So yeah, definitely, I I feel like it's not it's not like I ever felt like I was missing out on things because uh, you know, I'm like always with my friends and all of that. But definitely, I think it was from the work opportunities side yeah. of things rather than like the social opportunities. Um, so definitely, I felt like you know uh, I went through a crisis when the applications for placement came through, and I went, "What am I doing? Wouldn't it be so much easier if I just..." Live my life out in KPMG yeah. or something like yeah. that, but um, but no, definitely. Uh, I think you know making the decision to uh to st- stick it out and you know put my focus into final band, just knowing that like it would there would be a payoff, you know. And some people with the success that you've had, some people might say, "Will I walk away from college?" Yeah, yeah. so interesting because again, it's probably my most asked question when you know kind of I open those uh, ask me business question forums on TikTok, yeah. and it's like. Uh, have you dropped out? Will you drop out? Or yeah. when are you going to drop out? Mm. So I think people's perception of success in business is how close they got to having to drop out of college oftentimes. And it's this uh, stereotype of success, I think, mm. that has been ingrained into us because we see the likes of the social network movie and, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's yeah. like, oh, he did so well yeah. that he got to drop out of college. But for me, I never even created a business to start with. I had a passion project, yeah. you know, 
the passion project for me's goal was never to actually pay myself. It was to have this going on. So even the fact that I was paying myself was payoff enough. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I get to, you know, do what I love and I can pay myself for it. It's a job for me. And then the next question was, okay, well, like, you know, obviously you'll you'll drop out of college now. But again, it was never my goal to drop out of college. I, you know, really value education. And I think it's obviously such a good thing that I'm getting to learn about business. I'm doing a business course. um, And that value is something that I bring back into the company and I can apply it. And obviously going forward, then I'm going to have both an undergrad degree in business, experience in running a business. And, you know, obviously those two are really, really valuable. But yeah, no, definitely what I say to people when they ask me, when are you going to drop out? I say right after I get my undergrad you know, degree, yeah. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I might like put my master's on pause for now. But like, you know, not that I'm closed to doing one. I think um, success in business is definitely not defined by whether or not you got to drop out of college as a result. So, <laughs> And do you find yourself sitting in class sometimes and kind of saying, oh, I could use that. I could use that for my business. Oh, absolutely. So interestingly, when I was in first year, I thought, oh, this is completely different. This is so top tier. I'll never be able to use any of this. I was running a side project of one at the time, a first year of college. And I was learning about um, different ways to manage, but like, Basically, very top top tier stuff that strategy I felt. And stuff. Yeah, strategy. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is you know, this is so far away from what a small business needs to know. Yeah. And then as I progressed, and obviously, you know, the kind of the modules would get more and more defined. Yeah. Uh, the closer I came to going, this is exactly what I need to do. Okay, like taking notes that were kind of like I'll work on that later notes. Uh, and it's just like it's really interesting now that. One of my modules I'm doing is company law. Um, company law, obviously, is something I need to be yeah. well read on because yeah. I own a company. And the second module I have this semester is social media marketing. Social media marketing is what I do every yeah. day. You can nearly so, teach it yourself, I'd say. I know, yeah I, yeah. I gave a talk into UCC summer school on yeah. social media marketing. So it's interesting now to, to see how I could be doing things yeah. and um, to like find out how other companies did things because obviously a lot of uh, our coursework is is case case study based. Yeah. So that's incredibly interesting and obviously very valuable information. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had the opportunity actually to go into the final year, uh, become international accounting and food business students uh, last week. And uh, I thought it was hilarious that I was giving a talk <laughs> and at the end I was kind of went up to the lecturer and I was like, I've, I found that really interesting. Um, yeah. You know, I'm planning on taking this module next year type of thing. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's great and definitely a uh, big kind of uh, fan of education and uh, sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, and I find usually students, when they come back after placement, and it's, it's kind of like you've been in placement from the very outset of college, but I find when they come back from placement, they have a very different view on the, the, the modules that they're undertaking and they understand it a bit better. Definitely. So I think uh, once once you start to see that everything you've been learning has been for a reason yeah. and it's not like you're sitting in, you know, uh, like third year maths class yes. learning about the minus B formula going, yeah. I'm never going to use yeah. this. You actually, once you see the payoff and well, I learned it in school uh, or sorry, I learned it in college and then my employer asked me to explain it to him and I got to say what yeah. I knew, you know, you can see the value there. So And uh, it, will come, it comes back to you. Like, like I know you're saying you're planning ahead. So all that stuff in first year is now very, very important to you. Oh, absolutely. And even like my goals in kind of creating a brand that is has value from the foundation up and is not just a a me brand, I suppose. I can step back and it can still hold its value. Um, That all comes from, you know, understanding uh, what makes a business uh, valuable from the outset. So uh, yeah, all of those kind of, uh, (laughs) all of those things that I learned in first year are now circling back and going, oh, wait, actually, you know, where are those notes? (laughs) You did make the TV though. You made the Late Late Show. What was that like? Uh, That was great, actually. Yeah, it was actually a great experience. Um, Just from, you know, my first kind of uh, TV interview and also um, to meet the other business owners. So it was on a a business kind of show and I got to meet uh, Niall Horgan, actually, the founder of Of Jim Plus Coffee. Yeah. So that was great, too, to see uh, what he had to say and everything. Um, But yeah, all of those things are all learning experiences and networking opportunities. So, (laughs) And 
you're in a kind of competing space yourself and Noel, but they're a bit further down the track. Oh he, yeah, definitely. Like I think um, we're in different demographics too. Yes. His customer is probably, uh, you know, looks a bit different to my customer uh, in terms of, um, you know, like what the demographic is there. But an older audience versus your younger audience. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I, I don't know much about yeah. what they see as their customer, but um, yeah. I think from my own perspective, uh, our customers are, are a bit different at the moment. Um, so definitely, I think uh, down the line, potentially, there's a bit more crossover yeah. uh, at the moment. You know, we're, yeah. we're vibing out in our own spaces, yeah. but, uh, you know, I've got uh, I've got growth um, on, on my eyes. So, yeah, uh, definitely, I think going forward, hopefully to be a bit more of a stronger competitor there. You, you just said there about kind of moving away from the brand being just about you. So you said about Instagram. Or go, so you're not doing the content. Is your team kind of actually facing the, like being front front facing for the customers as well? Yeah. So uh, on email, definitely. And also um, on Instagram, yeah. a lot of the content, um, you know, we like to collect is user generated content. Very good. So, um, you know, that goes a long way. But also you have to kind of be quite progressive in uh, sending out, uh, you know, PR boxes to micro-influencers, finding those influencers, uh, maintaining a relationship with them, yeah. which if I was doing it all, I wouldn't be able to kind of create that relationship to the level that it needs to be in order to see that payoff with those influencers posting yeah. and really enjoying the brand. So Liv would do a lot of that. Yeah. And she's very front facing there because, you know, she'll reach out to people yeah. off the Final Bend account, uh, direct them towards her own email, which is, you know, the Liv at Final Bend Fitness email. Yeah. Um, and uh, Cloda then would deal with the customers post-purchase, maybe yeah. pre purchase she also runs the email campaigns we actually you know we're always sitting in the office looking for reasons to send out an email yeah. campaign we had one go out yesterday uh, that was a uh, um in response to this week being enterprise week so yeah. you know enterprise week's uh, hashtag is make, making it happen i think yeah so yeah. our email was like uh, basically it was a 15 percent off email but also it was uh out to eleven thousand people in ireland so you have eleven thousand subscribed oh we've fifteen thousand subscribed Whoa. but um the this one was picked anyway and uh it was showing the story of how we where we've come from and all of that but like um basically you know just a reason to send an email yeah. i suppose and uh yeah the whole premise of that was like uh, showing you how hashtag we made things happen last year uh, yeah. so yeah and that had really good payoff because it was like a 24 hour email so definitely I think um, you know even having someone in thinking about those things yeah. and acting on them is really important uh, so yeah I'm like front facing in, in the way that's like I'm still on the TikTok <laughs> you're still doing the, you yeah. know, the videos for TikTok was it hard for you then to relinquish control like, did it take time to get it adjusted to kind of having other people making decisions as well? Uh, I think it got to a stage where it was like a relief okay. because uh, a lot of the times, like when I'm looking back now, I'm like, if I was making that decision to hand over Instagram uh, on day one, that would be something that I would not be able to do. Yeah. I would have found that very difficult because I you know, felt like I knew Instagram and all of this, yeah. but like, and now I just, you know, obviously know that there's a lot more value in someone who has time and, you know, experience in, in, in doing it. And uh, I just can't uh, give my time to, to those things anymore, uh, even though I would want to, yeah. but um, yeah, and they're both extremely good at what they do. So, you know, it's a payoff there. <laughs> and you said, you, you mentioned micro-influencers there were to go. So that's obviously part of your strategy that you kind of, gather people to those listening what would you describe a micro influencer as yeah so a micro influencer to me would be someone who has a smaller following mm. and we wouldn't actually put like a number on what that smaller okay. following is yeah. but it's a following that's extremely niche so uh, what I'm seeing at the moment with actual influencers is that their rates are reflective of huge companies now starting to reach out to them. So yeah. the Irish influencer market um, is not something that I see attainable for small businesses. So that... Too expensive? Too expensive with not enough payoff because they are like, you know, constantly doing these deals with these larger companies that yeah. their followers are used to seeing them. It's not mm -hmm. something that piques their interest anymore. Um, so... Where I actually see more value is in these smaller creators who have a very niche following of people who really, you know, value what they have to say. Yeah. Maybe it could be a thousand followers or it could be three thousand followers. Yeah. 
but their following has not been um you know subjected to sitting through like you know ads for for random like yeah. things and they're also really grateful to be reached out to and receive free product um but they then make content uh, that's of really high value and the audience is engaged I'd imagine highly engaged yeah because they're like oh and you know she was working with Final Band that's yeah, so cool yeah. Um, so yeah all of the micro influencers that we send stuff out to then will send back uh, maybe a picture maybe they'll do a feed post yeah. but we then collect that content and we either post it on our own Instagram yeah. or reuse it in some way that's you know valuable um, potentially running a ad or or yeah. something like that. So. so the only cost to you really is 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 the the clothing that you give away. Yep. So it's uh, the cost of yeah yeah sending out the stuff. Um and then yeah you usually see payoff and how you can kind of collect that data is you can sometimes give them a discount code that yeah. has their name in it so you yeah. can then track. Well, we sent stuff out to Dervla and we got you know eight sales that was really interesting yeah. where are her where well where are Dervla's followers who bought stuff based yeah. and then you can track that and you can see okay well you know they like the black leggings more should we send her black sports bra we know she'll pair it with the black leggings and uh, that might drive sales up on the sports bras yeah. so you can kind of get kind of smart about that then once you start to collect that data so would a lot of them be kind of um sporty or are you kind of going into other fields now as well yeah so like to define the customer who purchases yeah. from Final Bend would be someone who enjoys an active lifestyle, yeah. but also is very fashion forward. So our yeah. customer, I like to see, um, it's quite close to you know myself. I yeah. enjoy going for a coffee with my friends, and I often yeah. wear leggings. We might go for a walk. Um, so I think a social, a social customer yeah. who enjoys that active lifestyle, and uh, in reflect. Uh, sorry, to reflect then where we send the PR packages, we would send them to a mixture of uh, lifestyle creators because we know that those lifestyle creators have a following of similar girls who will, you know, wear the leggings to yeah. go for coffee, but may also wear them in a kind of stylish, fashion fashionable way. Yeah. And then also to uh, content creators who are based in the fitness industry. Yeah. Uh, and the goal there is to see them wear the gear working out so yeah. that that same customer who enjoys going for her coffee wearing the leggings will feel comfortable going yeah. for a run in the leggings because she's seen, you know, the Instagram follower who does lifestyle and also fitness uh, wear for those same reasons. So, And are you getting to the stage now where you see your clothing out in a boat when you're out walking? Or, oh yeah, all yeah? the time. Yeah. It's like spot the final bend. Mm. It's like a game that you can play. Always around UCC, you'll always see uh, people wearing the clothes. So yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> and do people come up to you? Do, do you ever oh, get someone I, come up? It's kind of hard like to... Uh, not be a stalker when you you spot Final Bend because yeah. oftentimes people won't actually know that it's me. I'm not featured on the Instagram. Yeah. There is a cohort of followers who only follow the Instagram. That's where they knew Final Bend. Okay. So, you know, I don't want to be like hi, those are mine because yeah. there's a high chance that they've never seen the TikTok videos where yeah. my face is kind of solely on the TikTok videos other than that the brand is just a standalone brand but like oh, it's still so cool and obviously a lot of times uh, you kind of would look over and you can feel like they're looking back over and it's kind of like a we both know that you know yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's great to see still. And it's great for a cork brand as well like for, you know, there's not many, you know, big clothing brands from Cork yeah like it, it's great anyway yeah. I think the the fact that uh, there are customers that are Cork based obviously is cool yeah, because yeah, it's like yeah. well we're a Cork, Cork brand too and uh, just in response to that then definitely we're uh, hoping to open up Click and Collect for Cork customers because there's oh. customers you'd see come through and they're from just down the road and you yeah. feel like I could throw this parcel out the warehouse door and it would land in your yeah, front garden yeah. uh, but it still has to go on its commute over to you so um, opening up Click and Collect to kind of uh, uh, you know let in those court customers uh, will, will be interesting And would you ever think about opening shops? Yeah, so we actually have an exciting project that we'll be working on when I get into the office today. And that's with, um, so yeah. a gym in Cork, uh, we're going to partner up and we're going to run these pop-up events. So yeah. having an actual, um, you know, bricks and mortar store at the moment isn't something that I see Final Bend going into. Yeah, uh, I love the idea of an actual shop. And I think as much as I 
literally own a, an e-commerce brand yeah. i still think that it's sad to see shops closed in cork yeah, yeah. Uh, i find it you know almost upsetting when you're walking through yeah. like oliver plunkett street is bustling every time i walk through yeah. but then there's not really stop off places like i feel like i'm not heading into a shop but you know uh that's kind of something that yeah. i i can't change yeah. um although I could definitely see myself having um, a pop-up shop for a period of time in Cork City. Um, And it's something I looked into actually in Blackpool just last week. But um, the unit was gone when I came around to it. But anyway. Might uh, be somebody listening to this now that has a shop. Because it's like, you know, having something that is... um, is kind of there for for years to come yeah. would be something I'd love to do, but it's just not kind of it's not a smart move at the moment, just with where things are going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the pop up shops are are where we're at at the moment. And what about the idea of selling Final Bend in in some of the big sports retailers? Yeah, and I've been reached out to by a couple of the big ones yeah. uh, over the course of just like the past couple of years, and um. Final Bend I started was to be an affordable brand. It wasn't yeah. to make profit. You know, I think yeah. me not taking a wage was a testament to that. But yeah. um the yeah, the the markups wouldn't be um they wouldn't be right. Like they would force me to have to increase the price um across everything okay. because obviously no uh wholesaler is going to buy something and then yeah. sell it for more expensive than yeah. you're selling it so it would cause me to have to increase the price across the board uh which to facilitate a couple of um orders with a, a retailer wouldn't make sense at the moment definitely as our economies of scale grow hopefully we'll be able to facilitate those margins but at the moment it's just not feasible yeah and then you were saying earlier on that, you you know, this whole, I suppose, the idea of eco-friendly clothing and stuff like that. So is that the vision going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So goals for 2022 are to have all products made from recycled materials. And that is uh, going to happen because yeah. we uh, produce five launches ahead. So by June of 2022, all products that are released by Final Bend will be made from recycled materials. Uh, and uh, those are all in production. Um, some of the products at the moment are already made from the yeah, material but yeah. it's kind of like making a, a blanket statement and this is who we are and how do you go about, about finding suppliers that will get that type of product for you so i suppose like it's it's the fabric yeah. you know so um the kind of journey that the fabric has to go on is a lot different you can't just uh come across a, a material and yeah. then you know slap some certificate certification onto it and say that that's definitely recycled you know it has to um it has to be certified from the get-go so you have to collect um you know the bottles make sure that the bottles are kind of certified so these are plastic and then they have to go through um a melting process a spinning process and then that kind of it looks like candy floss and then it gets turned into polyester for example so um that's a long process that um happens with a, a fabric mill and then that fabric mill has to sell the fabric on to a um, manufacturer to cut cut and sew. Yeah. Uh, and then you need a search also from from that transaction. So there's two certs, the scope search and the uh, transactional search. And they are hard to come by. Obviously, you need a manufacturer that's yeah. that's able to have those uh, certs ready to provide mm-hmm. to you. And uh, and you also have to be able to authenticate those two. So it, it is harder, but obviously... Um, you know, that kind of comes with having a good relationship with your manufacturer, which yeah. which I have. So uh, it's been a hard process because yeah. it's a longer process yeah. than normal uh, yeah. manufacturing. But definitely, you know, it'll be worthwhile. And uh, and having these launches queued up, what I'm waiting for now is uh, is the material to go through the, the mill. Uh, and it's hopefully in the next couple of days going to be uh, authenticated uh, and pass quality control. And then we're all good to go. And are you getting good feedback from customers in terms of that road that you're going on that they're delighted to hear that this is happening? So interestingly, I haven't actually shared that's where the brand is going. So uh, production actually was delayed three months now. Uh, It's looking at four at this stage. uh, And... I'm waiting on the stock, but also I'm waiting to tell everyone how great things are going to be. So it's been hard then to kind of continue going forward uh, and not not being able to share that new message that I find so exciting and what I've been, you know, working on for the past like 15 months almost. Um, But I think, you know, once once it happens, it'll 
it'll all come together. And where is it being produced? So uh, this, it depends now on the exact fabric. So yeah. uh, the fabric that has polyester elastane is produced in China. Yeah. And then a blend of polyester cotton is produced in Pakistan because um, Chinese cotton doesn't really have the same, um, you know, ethical uh, background as the, yeah. the the Pakistan cotton. So yeah. it's just kind of where, where it's yeah. best. So that's that's where where it's best at the moment. And they're putting it together and they put your brand on it and everything over there. I presume the whole thing has been designed here. Oh is yeah. It? So uh, on my iPad actually, uh, so I kind of plan plan out launches, yeah. uh, design them and, you know, send them over um, in a tech pack, yeah. which has got all the specs, basically looks like a blueprint yeah. uh, for everything and they get uh, manufactured and sent back. And you didn't have design experience, did you? No, I think it's a learn, learn on the road yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you definitely kind of, uh, you know, learn from your yeah. own mistakes. I didn't know how to design leggings and once ordered a pair of leggings that uh, were not fit for human wear okay. uh, because they would fit a child. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, I was like, okay, things I need to learn how to do, like, you know, yeah. uh, make these tech packs. So yeah, I think you learn from your own mistakes a lot of the time. <laughs> and have you looked for mentoring in that area as well, in terms of people who are design, you know, design background in other industries? Definitely. I think um, a lot of the time YouTube is the best mentor for me yeah, anyway. Yeah. So I'm like a professional YouTube Googler yeah. uh, and I use the YouTube search engine a lot of the time yeah. when I don't know how to do something. So uh, I just kind of watched a couple of uh, yeah. web series on how to do it. And now I feel comfortable in putting it together. But a lot of the time you can kind of find uh you'll think something's a good idea you'll send yeah. it off to be uh, manufactured and your manufacturer will be like um, we actually don't think that seam should be yeah. an interlocking seam we think it should be a, you know another type of seam so um, y- y- they know best always so uh, you kind of take that feedback on board and uh, you can always see from the pre-production samples where you went wrong yeah. in your drawings uh, so <laughs> Are you worried in 2022 that with, with society opening back up that maybe people will change the type of clothing that they're wearing again and go back to more kind of, not formal, but, you know, move away from at leisure? Yeah, well, I suppose looking at what happened in 2021 as a response to that, yeah. um, it was actually the opposite. People had grown accustomed to wearing yeah. Yeah. Uh, their casual clothes. Yeah. And I think the hybrid working environment now is something that people are going more towards, like our own environment is a hybrid working environment in the in the office. Yeah. Um, people don't want to get dressed up in the workwear, uh, having, if they wore leggings to work, you yeah. know, for all through 2020 and tw- the start of 2021. And, um, you know, we saw that in people as buying things. They started buying the black leggings more. Yeah. And, you know, I could kind of see that as uh, them going, well, they're black leggings. Like, you know, it's it's work appropriate. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, people got used to wearing comfortable clothing and then people got used to working from home. Our response to the work from home movement was hybrid working uh, and a response to the comfortable clothing is people continue to wear leggings now. <laughs> they just dress them up. <laughs> And will you expand the team? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I'll expand um, to kind of fit need. So hopefully, um, you know, employment expansion would uh, come in response to there being potentially um, new wholesale contracts coming Mm. or if there were perhaps, um, you know, um, more online orders that needed, you know, full-time yeah. uh, packers. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the, the packers at the moment are our part-time packers. Uh, so they come in on the weekends to, to do the weekend orders. But other than that, I think it's definitely, um, it's something that like I would I would look at when I need, you know, yeah. presents itself. Yeah, you're not going to get carried away at the no. moment. <laughs> you know, you've, you've taken your first two full, and they're full-time employees, I'd imagine, yeah. are they? The yeah. Two yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finished the podcast with uh, two questions Mm -hmm. every week. So the first question I have is, what tip would you give another business in terms of building a brand? And in particular, I'm interested in if they were to build a brand on TikTok, like what tip would you give them? I think be authentic um, and, you know, sharing your own story. People like that personalized approach, definitely. I think once you start to make your brand more personable, people really react in a really positive way to that. I've been uh, able to never actually receive, um, you know, those troll comments. And I think that's a testament to being authentic. I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. And uh, I'm also um, 
kind of, I think, share your mistakes. Mm. People, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. People relate a lot to the things that you didn't perhaps do right 100% yeah. of the time. Um, and I think once once you start to put, put a face to your brand on TikTok, that's when you'll really see the followers growth because it's hard to follow a brand that has no, um, no personal element. But it's very easy then to follow a brand that's on a journey that you get to see the journey. And also I would say film everything. I film everything. Yep. I'm probably going to have to take a video now in a second of being in here yeah. but um you know i think you you never know what's going to go viral at the start because yeah. when you haven't established yourself in the niche yet you don't yeah. know um you know what your um viewers may you know find more interesting than something else so once you film everything and collect that data and you're showing your, your yourself and you're showing the kind of face behind uh the brand then i think you'll you'll really see um a positive uh, result there and the other question i have is what tip would you give an individual and say somebody that wants to set up their own business and maybe somebody, you know, maybe they're in college or, you know, at the moment or something, they have an idea. What would you say to them? Oh, well, first of all, I think once you have an idea, uh, the faster you can act on that, the better, because yeah. if you're having that idea, you know, you don't know how many other people are going to have the same idea. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, definitely something in being the first to do something, yeah. you know, being the first to the market is is definitely really, um, really good. So, yeah, I think once you start having those ideas, act fast. Um, I think sometimes people get a bit turned away because they don't have, um, you know, a lot of money to invest. Yeah. I think... Um, it's almost better when you go in with such a, a low risk bubble yeah. because um, you can make mistakes early on and you can learn from them uh, with relatively like zero fallout yeah. out of that. Uh, and, you know, if you're not investing a lot in the financials then and, you know, it doesn't work out, then you don't have a, a lot of financial risk there. But um, I think being, you know, being proactive on your ideas and also... Um, a lot of the time, I think people are hesitant to get into business because there's that lack of information. Um, but, you know, I've never asked a question and had no no response. Yeah, so yeah. I think be open to asking questions, be open to learning from other people's stories. Uh, that's a change that I made. And I started asking loads of questions and uh, realized that, you know, everyone wants to see you do well. I think, um, you know, people people want to see more people in in their industry um, and, you know, it, it brings competition, which is healthy. And also, uh, you know, you get to kind of build a relationship with, with that person and uh, business re- relationships are always good. So, <laughs> And I'm sure after this podcast goes out, you'd probably get more requests for connecting with others. And, and Oh, yeah. All over LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> all over LinkedIn. So, look. It's been absolutely fantastic to hear your story. It's it's still very much in the early days. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where it's going to go, though. I, I, I think um, it's brilliant to see a Cork brand uh, enter into, you know, such an exciting space, which is the athleisure, uh, I suppose, industry. And uh, best of luck with it. Thanks for coming. Thank in. you so much for having me on. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 24 Stories podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at 24 Stories Tribe. I'll be back next week with a brand new guest.